Ty wanted to add a little Thanksgiving hymn at the end of our prayer. And I hope you understand that. Over chorus, just a short chorus. And I think the Lord will bless that. If you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Um, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> on, um, and, and my theme, of course, is redemptive compassion. And um, we'll talk about this as we go through. But well, this is one of the great stories of the Bible, and I, and I enjoy hearing it. And it actually goes well into chapter 4. But I want to focus on the event itself here. Because Peter and John's responses, um, they, they, they preach and they're arrested and called before the Sanhedrin. And, uh, oh my goodness, uh, they, they're just, uh, they, they get a grilling. Um, but the event itself is, is wonderful, and I wanted to focus on that this morning. But it says this, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. <clears throat> Seeing Peter about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. One of the problems, I think, in the modern era is how compassion has moved away from being something personal to something more like a program. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a book that I read years ago called The Tragedy of, the, of American Compassion. It's written by Marvin Alasky. I suggest you read it sometime. But it traces the history in America of how compassionate ministries shifted from the church to the government. <laughs> and especially here in the 20th century, we know uh, that uh, the government has, has really taken it, taken it over. It started in the, the Great Depression era and uh, how, how the, the, the New Deal came about and how the Social Security system was established. And I, and I know some of you are thankful for Social Security, and, and, and you should be because, you, you, I mean, you, you get some of that back from the government for, for your years of putting it in, in your retirement. Um, but, but again, you know, uh, that, that goes, everything has been uh, given over to the government, and uh, you're, you're now um, identified by your Social Security number by, by, by the government bureaucracy. Um, and then again, in, in the um, uh, 1960s, with uh, you know all, all of the programs that came out out of there, the the welfare was established, and 
and other things. And uh, the, 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 the war on poverty is what they called it began. And so, you know, government program where they were going to end um, poverty in America. And it was a, the great social experiment of the time. And, of course, um, we see how that's worked out. <laughs> uh, there's still uh, lots of poverty um, in America today. And some of you here may have been on welfare at one time and, and you appreciated that, that assistance. But, but again, um, you're, you're, you're part of a faceless government system that, that just uh, takes an application, reviews it, get your social security number again, and uh, doling out funds to people. That, that, that's what's happened with, with compassion today. That's, that, that's what's happened with compassionate ministries. And Dylan uh, mentioned uh, Lois Tupi, who came and spoke to us um, about Love, Inc. Uh, that, that's, that's another thing. But I, I just felt led you know, from, from Acts here to talk about um, what compassion should really look like and how, how the church can, can do compassion but without just um, doing things uh, with uh, faceless ways with people. You know, Peter and John were, were you know, the, the apostles of Jesus Christ. And they were sent by him on a mission. Jesus, you know, in, 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 in Acts chapter 2, he says, Wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he says, You shall be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the other utter ends of the earth. But also he told his disciples in the Gospels, um, particularly in the Gospel of John, that he was going to send them out as apostles. And he says, you've seen the works I've done. You're going to do greater works <laughs> than even I did. Not, not, not so much because they were going to be divine themselves like Jesus is, but because in this world, in this time and space, these 12 apostles would, would do even more works than even Jesus did. And he was commissioning them to do these great and wonderful works. One of the other things that Jesus taught them too well, was to go out two by two to do ministry. And that's what Peter and John were doing here. They, they were doing team ministry, I guess is what we would call it today. But they were faithful here. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. That This was likely referring to the evening sacrifice, which included the, the priest offering a sacrifice and then prayers were being offered. And as, as they're walking up to a, to, to a temple, uh, up to the temple, they, they saw the man lame man beside the road. Now it says that this lame man was uh, taken there um, probably by his either friends or family and, and, and laid at the gate going into uh, the temple. Uh, some say that the, that the beautiful gate here is, is the gate um, between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women. Or I'm sorry, the court of the, the, the women Right, right, between the court of the women and the uh, court of the, um, uh, of, of the nation of Israel. Um, the temple was laid out to where you had the outer court was for the Gentiles. Of course, they, they couldn't come closer to God than, than the Israelites. <laughs> then you had the, the women, the court of the women, where they, 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 could, they could be. And then the men would go into the, in, the men of Israel would go into the inner court 
Then, of course, you had the place where the priests go in. So this, the, 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 the beautiful gate had this beautiful copper, or I'm not copper, but bronze um, inlay, and it looked very beautiful. So they called it the beautiful gate, the one between the, the court of the women and the court of the Israelite men. And so he was, he was laying there day after day and um, begging for alms, and he would ask alms of the people that would come by. And I thought, you know, here's this man day in and day out with his hands or whatever he had to collect the, the alms. And people would just come by and just drop a coin in, in, into his coffer or whatever he had. You know, they, they would drop their coins and just go on. Uh, sometimes people would, would ignore his pleas and just, just walk along, you know, and walk on and, and go on into the temple. And, I, you know, I... Now, this man, of course, he had a great need. And, and the command of Scripture was to, um, to take care of those who were the poor and the widowed and, and the crippled and, and, and the lame. The command was for, for the Israelites to, to care for this man. And I think it's kind of sad that he had to go in the, in, at the temple every day and, and be laid there um, and, and, and beg people for alms uh, there at that gate. And I just kept thinking about how many people just walked by and, and just either dropped their coins in, just gave them, gave them a little bit of money, and how many people even just walked, walked on by without giving him any heed or any attention. When someone's in a situation like that, it, it's tough. It's very degrading. And, and, and God calls us to be compassionate to these people. And, and we have to ask ourselves the question, how, how are we... Um, how, how are we going to treat those people? Do, is it okay? I mean, I always hear the question, is it okay to give somebody that's standing out there um, at the Walmart parking lot, is it, is it okay to just give them some money and go on? Is, is it okay for, for us to, uh, you know, if somebody comes up and asks for, for a dollar at the gas station, is it okay just for us to, just to give them a dollar and go on? Um... I think that this passage kind of answers a few questions for us. And, and one of the things that happens here is that Peter and John, first of all, they, they hear the man calling them, and Peter and John looked at, at him. And I think the, Luke is the author of, of the book of Acts. And I think Luke is very specific about this idea of looking here because he describes it in, two different, in, in several different ways. He says, Peter and John looked at this man, and when, he, when they looked at him, the man says, oh, I've got their attention. I, I'm going to gaze at them. I'm going to look at them. So, oh, I, you know, it's just like, you know, if, if, you, uh, if your eyes meet the person on the street who's asking for money, and, and, and you look at them, and, and they look back at you, they're like, oh, I've got your attention. But, it, but, but Peter very specifically says, Look at us. They fixed, they fixed gazes on each other, and he said, look at us. And I think that's one of the most important aspects here. Um, when we're talking about compassion, is that we look at people and connect with them. A big government program just handing out money, um, and, and, and they've been pouring it out too. 
I mean, especially during, during 2020 and COVID, I'm not trying to be political here when I say this, but, but the, the, they've been pumping out, the government's been just pumping out money, pumping out money. I mean, many of you got your uh, $1,200 stimulus check from the government uh, because of COVID, and some of you maybe may have gotten two of them, <laughs> two checks. I know I did, <clears throat> and I took the money and run. I hate, I hate to say it. I do know some people that returned it, especially the child tax credit one. I had a friend, you know, he, had, he has his kids, and he, he, received extra, he was going to receive extra money, and he tried to contact the IRS and had to go through a whole big rigmarole to try to say, no, don't send me that money because I know what's going to happen. My taxes at the end of the year are going to be all messed up because I do get the child tax credit at the end of the year. If you give me that money now, it's going to mess me up later. And, but he said he, he couldn't believe the bureaucracy he had to go through to stop that money from coming to him. Um, but, but, but the government just, just pumps out money without any discretion. And it pumps out money to, to people that they never see and never meet. And, 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 you know, based on, you know, you're identified by your number, your Social Security number. That, that, that is a faceless, mechanical kind of compassion. And it's not ju just the government that does this. I, th I, think, I think there's a lot of agencies and companies around, the, or I say companies, uh, nonprofits, that, that, that are set up just to assist people. You know, you, you, call, you call a call center, you, you, at, you, you apply for assistance, and then they just send, send you the money. But that is not the kind of compassion that Christians need to have. It needs to be a personal compassion. And why is that? <clears throat> because not only are we trying to meet a need, we're trying to help people find Jesus Christ. It needs to be focused not on needs, but on people. We need to look at them. We need to gaze at them. We need to engage with them, just as Peter and John did here. The other thing that, that I notice here, too, is what Peter and John said. Peter, Peter says, well, in particular, Peter, he's the one that speaks to the man. He says, silver and gold have I none. Now, I don't think Peter means that he was by any means poor. I think they still had support for their ministries. Maybe at the time of their going up to the temple, they didn't have money with them. But he says to, to the man, silver and gold, I had none. I have none. This man was, of course, expecting you know, money from them. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. And, and, and we think, okay, well, Peter, you know, is kind of um, rejecting what he should do by command of Scripture. But Peter stops, and he says, but, and that word is important. He says, but what I do have, I give to you. In other words, Peter had something much better to give to this man. something much better. And that was the power of Jesus Christ to heal. And so what does he do? He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you, rise up and walk. Peter saw that not only did, did this man need, need help, 
not only did he have a need, he needed somebody to look at him, to, to love him, and, 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 and to extend the power of Jesus Christ to him. The power of Christ is, is, is the true healer here. Not just Peter and John and their compassion, but it was Christ himself. The power of Jesus Christ is the true healer. In other words, it's the power of Jesus Christ that can meet our true needs. Redemptive compassion is the term that Lois Tupi used in her, in her speech and in her book. This is where redemption, redemptive compassion comes in. The power of Christ working through us to help people meet their true needs. Not just a faceless kind of mechanical giving, but, but true giving fr from a heart of love and, and from the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that, that every time we, we um, employ redemptive compassion, it's going to physically heal someone, but I believe in physical healing. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's, it's not, we, we don't control who God heals and who doesn't. God controls who He heals and who He doesn't. He does say, or, or, or James tells us in Scripture, that it's good to gather the elders and lay hands on people and anoint them with oil. And, 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 and it, 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 it's great to call upon God's um, physical healing for people. And, and sometimes God you know, answers that. But it's always within God's will that we do these things. And we, we've talked about this you know, before. You know, God knows what's best for us. And sometimes our struggles are a test for us, a test of faith. And sometimes God, God brings us, He knows what each individual person needs in that moment. But as a general principle, the power of Christ is what should be at the forefront of our compassion and conveying the power of Jesus Christ to those people. And, and not only does, does Peter speak to this man, he extends his hand to him and holds his right hand. So, so it's not like, you know, Christ, I mean, yeah, yes, Christ, it's Christ's power, it's him. Christ is the one doing this, but he's also working with Peter and through Peter to help this man. You know, somebody once told me that, yes, yes, the Holy Spirit is, is the most wonderful thing that you and I can have and experience, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ among the believers. But he also said, well, sometimes it's good to meet with someone who just has skin on. <laughs> who's a human being, flesh and blood human being, who loves Jesus, who is serving Him. We, we, we need to see other people like us. To, in order to understand. We, we need physical hands on us. We, we, we need compassionate people to, to come up and, and shake our and hold our hand and, and lift us up. The other thing that Peter does, you know, he doesn't just extend a hand to him and shake his hand and move on. He pulls him up out of this situation. And that's what the power of Christ is doing. The power of Christ is pulling this man out of his situation. The very, the very um, reason he has a need for alms and, and, and for the monetary help is because he cannot do for himself. He cannot work for himself. We learn later on, as this man testifies before 
um, the Sanhedrin, the, the leaders of Israel, he says that he has been um, lame from birth and that he was now more than 40 years old. And so he'd been outside th this gate for probably for, for as long as he was able to for, for many, many years. And, and, and everyone there knew that he had been there as a lame man for many, many years. It wasn't somebody who was faking it, in other words. He had a true need. But what Peter and John was, was, what did was to pull this man out of his situation, out of his poverty, restored him through the power of Jesus Christ, out of their love and obedience to his mission, and, and, and restored this man and, and what he does is he gets up and, and he, he's leaping and, and, and jumping and rejoicing and praising God. Here's another question. Do you believe in transformation? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can change people's lives? Do you believe that, that Jesus Christ can, can bring someone who's in a, a, a very poverty-stricken situation, whatever it may be, Sometimes it's, it, 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 it's a need from circumstance or a need from birth. Sometimes it's, it, it's caused by, by per, people's personal decisions. That, 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 that's the reason that they're in the situation that they're in. Sometimes it has to do with drugs and alcohol abuse. Sometimes it just has to do with, with the cycle of poverty that, that began maybe with their parents and grandparents and, and they, they can't seem to get out of it. Maybe they don't, maybe, maybe they don't know how to handle their finances. And it is the reason why they're in desperate situations that they're in. Whatever it is, the message of the gospel is that the power of Christ displayed through us is supposed to bring people out of their situations and help them. And I think that, that as, as a church, our compassion needs to be focused on this. It needs to be Christ-centered compassion. It needs to be personally focused. And that all of that comes together under one umbrella term, redemptive compassion. We want to see people out, come out of their situations. We want to see people you know, be healed by the power of Jesus Christ. We also, and this is most important, is, is that their soul becomes saved through Jesus Christ. Now, in, in, in this particular passage, in, in Acts chapter 3, it is talking about physical healing, not necessarily salvation. But I would say by the end of it, after this man testifies, and, and after this, and over here in chapter 4, he, he speaks up for the apostles. I think, I think by then he understood salvation in Jesus Christ. A person we, we help um, with a need and try to bring them out, out of that situation that they're in. They may not know who Jesus Christ is at the beginning, but by the time uh, everything's said and done, they, they, they should know. They should know about the message of the gospel. They should know that Jesus Christ forgives sins. They should know that His grace is available for us and that His grace is transforming. So just... You know, just this idea of doling out money to, to faceless people, uh, to me, has, has never worked. And, 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 if, and if you're ever feeling guilty about not stopping and, and, and handing a, a dollar bill to that, that person that's there at, at Walmart 
um, in the parking lot or, or at the gas station. Um, you know, don't, don't feel too guilty about that. But what I would challenge you to do is, is to talk to that person and ask them, you know, do you have a need? And, 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 and maybe just be a little bit more personal about it. And one of the things that, that I think we need to do as a church is to give people the right kind of resources they need. Not just handing out money, but to meet people. You know, this back-to-school thing that, that we do, um, we've done it several years, and we've done it different ways. And um, we, we got to where we didn't have a lot of people coming to the church uh, to pick up those supplies. So what I started doing was taking them over to the school. And I began to realize that we're losing our connection with, with, with the people and those kids by doing that, just dropping the supplies off at the school and let them handing it out. Which is why I decided we need to switch back because we, we, we need to meet with these families and see these kids and not only be able to look at them and, and them see us, um, but, but to show our love to them and, and to show the love of Christ to them. We, we, we need to partner with ministries that do that. Because I recognize that, that, that we're small and we don't have a whole lot of resources. But you know, the Bible says that little is much when God is in it, right? That, that, we sing that as a song, but, but the idea is, you know, Jesus and, and the loaves and fishes, when he multiplied them, two little fishes, five loaves of bread, and Jesus was able to multiply it to feed 5,000. He, he can take little resources and, and, and multiply them in ways that we can't think of. But our compassion need, needs to be redemptive. It needs to, needs to be personal. We see the person. We, we speak to them about Jesus Christ and, and his love for us. And the reason we're doing this is because we love Jesus Christ. And, and then we need to start finding ways of helping people pull out of that. And even if we can't directly do it ourselves as a church, we partner with other, other organizations that do that. One of the reasons I picked the Pregnancy Care Center, for example, is because they work with those clients. They don't just hand out the stuff we give them. They have to attend parenting classes and other things to help prepare them for, for raising that child. Salvation Army does the same thing. They, they, they offer a shelter for the homeless, but they, but they try to transition them in the programs. Sometimes they, they, they don't want that and, and they, they, they move on. But, but they're always working to transition people in, into um, skills that, that are going to help them in life and, and help restore them to, communi to a community. But they do that in the name of Jesus Christ, and they have worship services too they're required to attend. And I'm not sure about what all urban ministry does, but, but they, they do some similar things. But, but, all, but all of our compassion, all, all that we do, should be with the idea that we're bringing people out of their situation and we're going to redeem them in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us to focus on as a church. Yes, we're giving money to these organizations, but we need, as a church, ourselves to begin connecting with people in need. And if you know someone that, that's in need as a congregation, and, 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 and you've got a neighbor who's in need, or you've got a friend who is in need, or you've got, you got someone who, who really needs something, um, my, my position has always been, let us know. I, I don't take phone calls from people. I, I, I've gotten them before asking for money and those kinds of things. 
And I said, look, um, we only take referrals from the congregation. The reason being is because I want our compassion to be personal and redemptive, giving them the power of Jesus Christ to heal, giving them the, the message of the gospel which can transform their souls. That's how it should be. And so I, I appeal to you on that. And uh, just, to, just to let you know that, that um, one, of the reasons, one of the ways in which our church will grow is because they see our love. If we're, if, we're, if we're worried about the way society is going, if we're worried about how, how the collapse of society is happening around us, we need to have a more redemptive view of compassion. Jesus changes lives. Christ can change lives. We need to, he asks us to partner with him in that. Not just to hand out money, but to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ and let them see his power to transform. Let's stand.